Welcome to the 63rd episode, or 63, number 63, 63rd, I don't know, whatever works, of the Friday Nightmares podcast. I am one half of your hosting team coming to you today from Waterdown, Ontario, Canada, and to Horror for Dummies, if you've listened to their most recent episode, they called out this man's intro because it is the longest motherfucking intro in podcasting history. But with me, as always, is Mr. Smoke Show Crawford coming to you from the town of Swartz Creek in the county of Genesee, in the state of Michigan, in the United States of America, in the North American continent, in the Western Hemisphere, on the planet Earth, in the Milky Way galaxy, fully vaxxed, boosted and waxed and ready to climax. And if you can, please get me wet. Feed me after midnight. And I'm the man with the glorious beard, a.k.a. Scott Housen. And I got to say, uh, yeah, that intro that uh, Tim did for himself was freaking hilarious. Like, I loved how he called me out on like the longest intro ever. And <laughs> Well, they talked about you on the most recent episode, too. Um, I guess if you were a Patreon, you would know because it was released early. So rub it in my face. <laughs> well, I'm just a real friend. I think that's the difference here, um, which is no, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely not just a poster. So you're way more popular on that show than I am. I like I'm like the younger sibling that's dying for their attention. <laughs> and you're the cool older brother that gets all the attention. And I'm like, look at me. Look at me. I joined your Patreon. Look at me. I moved up the tier. And they're still like, eh, Scott, you know, <laughs> um, which is fine. I'm I'm if there's anything I like, it's sloppy seconds. You don't have to try as hard. Jeez. <laughs> right. The work's already done and you don't have to try to impress. Um, but thank you for joining us today. We will be talking about Italian horror. I apologize for my uh, nasal knee sounding voice. I, I did pick up a little bit of a cold. It is not COVID. I did actually test for COVID yesterday, which felt very funny in my nostril. Um, yeah. But I, I do not have the cough. Um, which is great, you know, and I'm not overly sick, but I did have the symptoms and to be a responsible human being, I did not want to be going out places if I had the cough, which I don't, I just have a plain old flu. So, or cold. So in which case I course went everywhere yesterday in Walmart and coughed over everything. And that's what uh, what you should do, especially in Walmart. Like licked items, um, in hopes of just, you know, it's not COVID. So that means it doesn't matter. Right. Right? Did you lick doorknobs too while you were at it? Scott, I do that on a daily basis even when I'm not sick. Um, so I just kind of up the ante, but it's been a very chilled weekend. I went for a really nice hike with my dog yesterday and, you know, I, I wouldn't usually bring this up, but there's a, something in Ontario called the Bruce trail. And it's the longest trail that goes through the province and the province of Ontario is quite big. If you don't know, look it up. You can, you can find it on Google. And I, um, the last time I took him there is when he tore his first ACL. And, uh, and I can remember him running down the hill and me hearing this yelp. And, uh, you know, that started a whirlwind of events of three years of ACL surgeries and $16,000 later. Um, and you know, Scott knew me for, I think all of that. I met you when he had already torn his ACL and we were trying conservative or, um, whatever it was conservative, conservative therapy or whatever it was called. Um, anyway, So he's almost a year out of the second surgery. So his back legs are both mechanical. He's a roboted doggy. So yesterday I, you know, I finally had the courage to take him on this trail because that was something that him and I used to do every Saturday and Sundays we would go for hikes and uh, it went really well. And we had a really nice time, but I had forgotten my way because I used to do these trails all the time and I actually got lost. Oh, and, wow. Like I had my cell phone and water and shit on me. Like when I say lost, like, you know what I mean? Like it was right. like it was on those survival shows, but 
um, I forgot where I was going. So I had to backtrack and just follow my way out, which was absolutely fine. But uh, I didn't really run into anybody. So, you know, hashtag always bring your cell phone um, <laughs> for those reasons in particular and tell people where you're going because <laughs> you never know. Um, it is very slippery. And even though I do have hiking shoes, one fall and uh, you could be in a lot of trouble. So, right. Um, but yeah, no, that was kind of nice. That was like the highlight of my weekend because I've been feeling good. I haven't really drank much. I recorded a summer party massacre yesterday. They were great sports because I wasn't feeling a hundred percent. I feel better today. Uh, but yeah, that was, that's it. Like, oh, and I took care of my friend's kids this week and Liam, my friend's son, uh, who does our intro. I have to send Scotty his new intro because you fucking called me out in the car <laughs> that Auntie Heather, I listened to your podcast, which then gave me a heart attack that he listened to the podcast. Like I know his mom watches what he does. So I'm sure. And she's listened to the podcast. She knows that I wouldn't, and she wouldn't want Liam listening to what I talk about on the show. He's not old enough yet to, you know, understand the side of Auntie Heather that's on this podcast. The wild um, side. Oh yeah, I wouldn't want him hearing about me banging dudes and fuck this and fuck that and getting trashed. Like I'd be so, I'd be more embarrassed Liam hearing that than my parents. It would upset me more for my friends' kids to hear me talk like that than it would for my parents. My parents right. would be like, I'd be like, yeah, that's right. I smoke <laughs> weed. <laughs> I bang dudes. I do what I want. <laughs> Whatever, ma. I do this. <laughs> right. But Liam, I feel shame. Like I would be like, I wouldn't even be able to show my face in Amber's place anymore. So um, he's like, I noticed that you didn't put the new song on. I'm like, oh, I must have sent it to Scott and he forgot. So Scott does all the editing. Yes, but it's not Scott's fault. It's probably my fault. So you're going to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we will definitely fix it. So his channel is Phantom X and he's continuously. And then he went into my phone with my permission, of course. And he uh, I turned off my notifications for YouTube, but I I like it when I get notifications for his stuff. Right. Like right. his channel. And uh, he switched it so I could just have notifications for his, <laughs> um, which is so funny. Like 12 year old kids, like he just fucking schooled me, right? Like he was just like, what the fucking deal is? And he's eating more now too. We went to McDonald's and I got him a chicken nuggets and a cheeseburger and he plowed through that shit. And this kid never used to eat. So he's definitely becoming a teenager. And uh, my friend took the, my advice and now knocks on his door. Be sure ah. she comes into his bedroom. Smart. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had a conversation where I said, you know, he's reaching an age where he may like his alone time. And uh, <laughs> you don't want to walk in when he's having a low time. That might be a little uncomfortable for everyone involved. So, yeah, right. So that's my super boring life. Uh, that's about the most exciting things on. Oh, I went to a sofa event last week in Toronto, and that was pretty fun. Um, nice to be at a big outdoor event again. Great music, great partying, hot dudes, hot women, fucking smoke shows all around. Scott should have been there. Um, <laughs> he would have fit in right in with his pasty white ass. Um, but yeah, what about you, Scotty? What have you been up to? Oh, not too much. Uh, so it's been kind of a up and down week just because the week, uh, uh, what was it, Thursday was six years ago to the day that my brother had passed away. So I'd been kind of dealing with that and just kind of, uh, you know, thinking on the fond memories and whatnot. And uh, also, you know, just... It hit me harder this time around. I'm not sure exactly why, but like it just, uh, it did. But at the same time, like it wasn't upsetting. It was just kind of more like remembrance. Uh, I did go visit his grave and just kind of spend some time there with him a couple times this week. Uh, but other than that, like, yeah, I've just been, uh, 
well, finally catching up on uh, my 2022 watches. So Heather can't rip on me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Scott actually learned how to watch horror movies again. I got in the mood. It's a very exciting time all around here on Friday Nightmares. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, yeah, pretty much. I just had a, uh, what was it? Over the weekend, I had a bonfire. And then, uh, yeah, I think that was pretty much it. Just chilled. Oh, didn't go putt-putting. So that was fun. Putt-putt. Um, putt-putt. Uh, but yeah, really, it was kind of a chillaxed kind of uh, two weeks. Like, um, I did get told by my parents that I am going to be going on a cruise in uh, February for the uh, for a, as a Christmas gift, which is an amazing freaking Christmas gift, going to the Southern Caribbeans. So yeah, trying not to go too crazy spending money because now I'm going to try to save towards that. So ladies, if you if you're listening, Scott will be on a cruise leaving from Puerto Rico, celebrity. Celebrity Cruise Line, Puerto Rico, February 10th, Scotty. Mm-hmm. So if you're on that boat with Smoke Show, Smoke Show can show you a good time. He has a room to himself. <laughs> he can show you why they call him the Smoke Show. And he's more than just smoking this show. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Hey, hey, I'm just trying to get you laid, Scott. Hey, that's what a friend does, Scott. Friends <laughs> help friends get their dick wet. And this is why I don't oh, want Jesus my friend's son listening to this show till he's yeah, at least right. <laughs> And then he can be like, fuck Auntie Heather. I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> Auntie Heather's a fucked up person. Now you know, it's okay, you're 18. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. And I am sorry, of course, for the loss of your brother. I know oh, how challenging this time of year is for you as well with his birthday. That's in October, I believe. Nope, December. December, sorry. Your birthday's in October. Yeah. Um, and yeah, grief is a thing, Scott. It comes and goes in waves and you just ride the wave out and that's all you can do. And I'm, I'm glad you got through Thursday and I'm glad that you were able to reflect on your memories with him. That's important. It is. And yeah, like I say, like, you know, I try to look at it as like, you know what? The memories will always be there. So I can always look back at those fondly. Right. Yeah. You have a good attitude, Scott. You're just a good person all around. Oh, well, thank you. I try. Not as good as me, but like, I feel like, (laughs) but that's, (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a hard bar. Look at that. That was God punishing me for making fun of you. (laughs) He's like, you have the consumption now, Heather. You shall not make it a fourth night. Um, so since we've, we basically teased that Scott's been watching movies, um, like a, like a actual real podcaster, um, we'll start with our 2022 films. Did you watch this one or was it just me? I think this was just you. Cause I've never heard of this one. Oh, it's on a good friends Plex, um, who actually we haven't talked to in a long time. Hopefully he still considers us a good friend. We're not just riding off of his play. Right. <laughs> I figure you still talk to him on a fairly good. No. Case. I don't. So let's make a shout out now. Mark Nato from the Rotten Roundtable. Thank you for letting us have access to your Plex. We hope you're well. And uh, thank you for all you do for the horror community, Mark Nato. We um, love you, buddy. We do. Even if we don't talk to you, Scott and I, Scott's just been busy playing video games and banging babes. And I've been busy not trying to avoid my 12-year-old nephew from listening to my podcast. <laughs> Oh, anyway, actually, I would still love to be, I would still love to be invited back on the, what you watch, uh, show with you guys. (laughs) Yeah. So Scott can talk about the five movies he's watched in the last year. (laughs) Oh man, guys, did you see that movie? Nope. It's sick. (laughs) And Mark Nato will be like, get off the podcast. Mark Nato's like, you are no longer welcome here, Scott. You used to be a podcaster. You used to be, um, 
So this movie is called Wolfwood. It is a found footage film. It was originally made in 2020. It's an English film from from England. An English, English film, film from England. From England. My English friends would be like, bloody hell, Heather. <laughs> um, anyway, haunted by her childhood trauma, Farrell hid, hides memories of the terrifying Wolfwood night and her father's death, even from herself. Now she has discovered a pattern of evil stalking Wolfwood and faces her guilt. She will now take her revenge. Yeah, it's uh, it's a free watch on Plex Tubi and you can rent it on Amazon. It is a found footage, uh, typical found footage film. If you liked the Blair Witch Project a lot um, and you like found footage films based in the woods, you'll enjoy this one. Nice. It, it's an interesting concept, very low budget, has a 2.6 rating. It's fine. But if you, unless you are red hot on found footage, particularly found footage in the woods, I think you're going to find this really boring. The acting is come see, come saw. Um, like it is okay. It's nothing over the top. It's really kind of just all right. Um, but if you are a found footage completist, I suggest checking it out. Now I know you've seen this one, Scotty. Oh, yes, I have. Um, so yeah. I'll let you talk. Oh, and I did say you can find that the Wolfwood on Tubi um, for free, Plex for free. And the Amazon for pay. To be or not to be. <laughs> to that be or not question. to be. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that sounds like a nice easy watch. So I'll probably just check that out here because yeah, I, I, I like easy. You know me. Yeah. Oh yeah, you are sure are easy. High five, high five. High five, high five. <laughs> uh, but the next one uh, is actually recommended by you, Heather. And that was a beautiful curse. Uh, on an island struck with a sleeping phenomenon, a rogue visitor falls for one of the inhabitants, not realizing the personal danger it brings. Um, this was a really well done movie. Uh, acting was really good. Um, the story was very intriguing, had me wondering what the hell was going on. Um, and it, like pretty much like it was a good build up. I had some issues with what the main character is doing when you find out like more of about the person that he's falling for. And I kind of questioned it like, okay, that's kind of creepy. Well, uh, I did that to you. So I don't know what? when you find. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say more because it will spoil it. But yeah, it's, I found it to be very intriguing and definitely worth a watch. Uh, like this was a really well done movie. Like it's kind of a slow burn, but at the same time, like it's just fascinating the way it plays out. Yeah, I think that sums it up. It's not really horror. Um, but it's a good drama, fun film in the sense that, you know, it's, it's basically the concept that something happens in this town and people are not aware of what's going on. And this guy is choosing to live there and choosing to take chance that what has happened to everyone else will happen to may or may not happen to him. It's a 92 minute runtime. It's beautifully acted. Well done. One of those film festival films that, you know, people out there will enjoy. Um, not a strong horror film, but if you enjoy slow burns, um, a lot of relationship kind of stuff, this may be a movie for you. It is available on Google Play, Vudu, YouTube, and Microsoft Store. I would say if what you like is what we described, a $3.99 rental is sufficient. Yeah. I was saying, uh, it kind of reminded me like <clears throat> the genre that that movie, The Arctic Void, would have been in or from earlier this year. Absolutely. Sorry, Scott. I have to mute here and there because yeah, I, I didn't realize throat. you muted until I said that. Yeah. Poor Scott's going to be like, Heather. 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 Hello. 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 Bueller. Bueller. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I think it would fall right in that category as well. Um, but 
yeah, I'll say I'm going to I'll jump on to the next one, which is one that I watched. I don't believe Heather watched it because I told her I'm like, this is not your type of movie. <laughs> um, and everyone will know why it's not Heather's type of movie when I say these words. H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> um, it is H.P. Lovecraft's Witch House. Oh. Uh, determined to prove the possibility of alternate dimensions, a graduate student unknowingly unlocks a gateway to unimaginable horror. Based on the H.P. Lovecraft short story, The Dreams in the Witch House. Um, some people may be familiar with the story because Stuart Gordon did a Masters of Horror episode on this uh, during on season one. And it's a really, really good, good hour long, you know, short film or whatever you'd want to call it. So I recommend watching that as well. Um, however, this is very low budget, but it's a 82 minute runtime. And I got to say for such a low budget trying to pull off Lovecraft, I feel these guys, uh, I feel this director, Bobby Easley, did a pretty good job. Like the acting, you know, you're for low budget, you're going to get hit or miss with it. But it's got some uh, very cool, like, lighting effects. It's got some uh, interesting, like, kind of uh, creature-esque designs to it. And the story unfolds and has some very creepy moments to it. It's got some gore, got some nudity. You know, it's your Lovecraft stuff where you're just kind of trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And it's, but yeah, I find this, like, it's, it's pretty low budget. I actually got a, I seen our friend Xander Kane was watching it. And I, and I seen he was, like, saying that he liked it. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot then. And yeah, I'm glad I did. It's, uh, I'm a fan of Lovecraft. So it definitely kind of, uh, like, rang out to me more. But I told Heather, I'm like, yeah, since you're not a fan of Lovecraft, I don't think you would dig this. I think you would appreciate what they did for the low budget. But I don't think it'd be, like, a story you'd be into at all. Uh, so yeah, obviously, this is very Lovecraftian. So it'd be something that, you know, if you are a fan of that, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's available on Vudu, Amazon, uh, DirecTV, FlixFling, and what's this other one? Uh, oh, Spectrum on, Spectrum on Demand. Coolio. Um, the complete opposite of that is a movie called Death Count. Uh, hmm. It is an 81-minute movie. And I will ask again, Scott, do you like Saw? Yeah. <laughs> do you want another Saw ripoff that is like it, only... It has a guy in it called the warden that wears some kind of weird mask the entire time. <sighs> well, then you might want to skip death count. So yeah, good to know. now here's the thing. The main chick in it was also in the special that came out in 2020. And Scott and I were big fans of the special. Oh, yeah, that was a fucking phenomenal low budget film. The warden who plays the main torture guy was also in Saw, Saw 5, Saw 4, Saw 6, and Saw the final chapter. Oh, wow. So clearly he has lots of experience with torturing people. Um, basically what happens, it's a group of people who wake up in different cells and they are being streamed online and the audience has to decide what they will do. And they have only, what is it, like 10 seconds or 15 seconds to do it. And if they don't, there's a chip implanted in the back of their head and they explode. So it's just like stealing from a whole bunch of different movies, which is fine. Like, it's not necessarily a bad thing when you steal from other movies. There's only so right. many ideas that are out there for films like this. Um, the acting is pretty weak. Sarah French isn't too bad. Um, she's the chick from the special. Um, Michael Madison's in it. He's probably the biggest name actor, and he's not great. He never um, really is. He just kind of phones it in most of the time. Right. He, I actually think he was drunk during the film. I think he, he always looks like that in like a lot of these films. Like, and maybe he has an alcohol problem. Who knows, yeah. right? Um, if you really like the concept of Saw and you want to see a low-budget version of it, sure, check it out. 
Otherwise, I would say it's a skip. If you do want to watch it, it's available on iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, YouTube, Microsoft Store. Uh, $3.99 rental if you really, really like Saw and the concept behind it and you're okay with a low-budget version of it. All right. Yeah, like this definitely does not sound like something up my alley. <laughs> no, I would say a skip, Scott. I don't think you're going to miss watching this bad boy. Yeah, does not sound like it. Um, yeah, I'll jump on to the next one that I watched. Uh, this one was called uh, Neon Lights. Uh, the synopsis for it is tech tycoon Clay Amani retreats to an off-the-grid location in search of meaning and peace with disconnected siblings and their offspring only to be caught in a bone chilling killing spree with his new estate. Um, so th- this is basically, uh, yeah, this kind of awkward, the tech guy that like you uh, made money off of apps and all that stuff. He's a billionaire kind of deal. And like everybody, like his family just kind of like wants him for his money or just treats him like shit. Cause he treated them like shit. Cause that's all he did was focus on this. Like, it almost seems like, yeah, he's like one of those uh, quiet, nerdy types that once he got into this business, he just kind of like secluded himself away from everybody. And it seems like the uh, the price of fame and fortune is starting to wear on him and he's kind of snapping. Mm. And it wasn't a bad movie. Like, it was okay. Um, the acting in it, once again, decent. Like, yeah. uh, the main character, what's his name? Uh, let me pull that up real quick. Uh, was it Dana Abraham was his name. Like, he doesn't even have a picture of himself on the cast, so I'm guessing he must be like might be like a newer actor. But I, mm. I felt he did a pretty good job of showing somebody that was like kind of struggling with like all these things, and yeah, it was decent enough. Um, hold on a second, but uh, sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, I thought it was decent enough. He, like, does a good enough job showing these emotions, and the other uh, siblings in it were you know fair to decent. Like the story was. Nothing to write home about, but it was an easy watch. Okay. Do um, you recommend it? I would say, uh, I'd say if it was like free on a streaming service or $1.99 rental, like it's nothing, like it's about a six out of 10 for me, like 5.5, six out of 10. Like it's just a little above average. Cool. So um, far we're, we're coming in a little above average, much like Scott and I's sex life. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if anybody wants to watch it, this can be found on Google play, Amazon video, YouTube, voodoo and spectrum on demand. Nice. All right. And the next one I'm going to talk about is Rubicon. And this is a science fiction one. It takes place in space and it's a 110 minute long film. Basically the premise is, is that these people are in a space station. The world has already been kind of fucked up. We have air bubbles and stuff and areas where people can breathe because a lot of the air is toxic, but then all of a sudden some severe toxicity happens and only the elite are able to stay in these air bubbles and the people that are on the space station have been growing this fungi that can help reduce the toxicities in the air and they have to make some ethical decisions. It is definitely a slow burn. It is definitely science fiction, but it really does. And, you know, people argue it's not horror and that's fine. Like I, I personally don't care about that argument, you know, well, everyone who listens to the show knows that we don't give a fuck about that argument. We don't give a fuck. Yeah. But I think this is a really good film. I think the acting is really good. I think the ethical dilemma that they're in is really good. I think there's some real dark things that happen on this ship that is really, really well explored. And it's a really enjoyable film. It is available on iTunes, Vudu, Google, YouTube, Microsoft Office. Just know that my sorry, Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft, Microsoft Office Star, Microsoft Store. Um, but just know you that you can watch it on Excel. Yeah, I can imagine. 
Oh, that'd be, be the best version of Excel ever. Right. Um, just know that it's a space movie. It's 110 minute, minutes in length and it does feel that way. And it's mostly built on character development and ethical decision making. So if that sounds like your thing, then check it out. If not, then, you know, maybe it's not for you, but a good film. Nice. Another one that I will definitely add to the list of trying to play catch up to Heather. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. Honestly, Scotty, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Okay, It's a nice. good space movie, yeah. All right, and then uh, I'll bring this one. Uh, the title of this one is kind of what drew me into it. I just like the name of it. But that is uh, Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. And the cover art and everything just kind of was like pull, grabbed my attention. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll check this out. Um, the synopsis is, after inheriting a rundown castle, a dispirited woman and her ill-tempered husband decide to spend the night as time and, rea- as time and reality shifts around them. Um, it is a very vague, vague, vague synopsis for a very good reason. Uh, it's got a runtime of 74 minutes, uh, directed by Kevin Kopaka. I'm not sure what else he may have done, but uh, I like this because it basically is almost two movies in one. Like the first mm. half, like it starts off one way and then takes a complete, uh, completely different turn. And I'm going, oh, shit. Wait, what? OK, so now we're on this type of movie. OK. So I, it, just just be prepared for a complete and utter like genre twist, subgenre twist. Um, but at, like I found the acting, especially in the first half between the husband and wife, to be very good. Like you could see there was a like a lot of tension building up there, and like the way they portrayed the, their characters and that was really well done. Had some really creepy and gory moments to it. And then the second half, more characters get introduced, and some of them hit or miss. But it turns out to be. Uh, more uh almost in a way a little more comedic once the second half kind of hits but uh also but i recommend this because it's very interesting how it plays out like i didn't like the way this movie represents itself is not exactly what i expected going going into it and yeah it, it was a very nice surprise like it was a fun little indie film nice cool um where can you find it uh this one is available on itunes voodoo google play amazon video and microsoft store nice awesome so i watched one as well the world ends at camp z it not dave z um but it's a 90 minute runtime it is a canadian film uh it is actually filmed in quebec and it looks like it was a project that a group of people put together. The main girl in it, uh, she has some acting chops. She was in The Butchers last year. She was also in Built to Kill, which are two movies that both Scotty and I watched a couple of years ago. Um, not bad. Like, she's okay. But she probably had the most acting chops and probably cost the most money. Everyone else, this was like their first time acting. It's basically about a private campground that's bought out by some rich kids that come from a rich family. And a it's it plays off of COVID. I think this was filmed during the pandemic because they're wearing masks and stuff like oh, that. Okay. And, and honestly, the zombies that they do is pretty good. But this is a very low budget film. Very low budget. Like we're talking lower budget than we need to do something. Like this is like borderline oh, wow. student film kind of stuff. But that being said, that being said, I thought it was entertaining enough for what it was. Now, because Rob Humphreys listens to this podcast and gets mad at me when I suggest films and he watches them and then he messages me to tell me they were horrible and he blames me completely. (laughs) Um, Love you, Rob. I'm guessing he actually has been listening to us now. (laughs) 
He has been. I'm so sorry, um, Rob. And you know what the thing is? Rob's like a real podcaster who has like a real following and does real shit. All I got to um, say is, Rob, take my suggestions over Heather's. Oh, yeah, for sure, Rob. Definitely. <laughs> take the guy that worships gremlins over mine, for sure. Um, but like, if you are a filmmaker and you are looking to get into the industry and you don't got a lot of money, I think this is a great example of what you can expect to do. This movie does overstay its welcome at a 90 minute runtime. They probably should have done this in 60. Um, but you know what? I can forgive that. It has a 2.8 rating on Letterboxd. It's not horrible for a low budget student film, Rob. Like when I say <laughs> something isn't bad for a Tubi film, Rob, that means the bar <laughs> is low, Rob. Uh, just like our podcast the bar just like our, well. look rob not all of us are like you with your fucking famous podcasts okay which is horrible that i'm blanking on the name of his podcast right now i'm gonna have to look it up and shout it out to him because i just my my brain is goo right now and i can't remember it <laughs> the so, goo. do you remember it i do not because i haven't because uh, i am a i am not a good friend because i have not listened yet man see that rob scott's shitty so anyway <laughs> World ends at Camp C. If you're interested as a, as a new filmmaker and you want to see what you would be working with with a low budget, it's worth your time. Um, it's available on iTunes, Plex, the Roku, um, Amazon. I would watch it for free on Plex. Um, you know, I'll give these guys credit. Like anyone that tries to make a film, good for you. With a low budget, good for you. You got it, you know, distributed, good for you. Um, but definitely I wouldn't say it's going to be something that the massive, there's the massive amount of people are going to enjoy. It's, it's just not going to be a thing. Um, the director has done two films um, and he's produced two films as well. So who knows, maybe he's just starting off and, you know, he'll, uh, he'll go up from there. Yeah. I'll say you got to start somewhere, right? You got to. All right. So next one is one that I cannot like scroll Facebook without seeing at least five or six posts about this film. Cause it was just released and is really getting some good reviews. So I was like, all right, I got to check it out. And that is uh, the Hulu original Prey, which is a sequel or a prequel to Predator. So we finally get a new Predator film. And this one, I will read the synopsis. On the Great Plains in 1719, Naru, a fierce and highly skilled Comanche warrior, sets out to protect her people when an unknown danger threatens them. But the prey she's stalking turns out to be a highly evolved alien Predator with a technically advanced arsenal uh this film i was kind of like all right this is another predator film um the predator franchise has kind of shit the bed over the years like it's like every one of the films i can watch and have i find some valuable or some value in the entertainment aspect but none of them have been really good like part one and part two are like my favorites in the franchise and nothing has ever like really came close in the franchise because of that however uh i think the uh this was directed by david Trent or dan or dan trachtenberg who did 10 cloverfield lane uh mm. so you got some uh got a really good director behind this and first i have to say i love the fact that they decided to go all the way back to the 1700s and deal with like a tribe of comanche like a, a comanche tribe and they actually got all Native American actors or ab Aboriginal actors for this. Like, so like they, this is like legit. They're not doing any like whitewashing bullshit or anything like that. They actually went and got some legit, like just Native American actors. And they uh, even, I, uh, they, the movie was filmed in English, but 
they actually took the time to to create a dub for it where it is all in the Comanche language, which I thought is very cool and very unique and a very good way to kind of suck you into the film even more. Um, I did not watch it that way just because I was just kind of in a lazy mood. So I just watched it in the English version. I will be going back to watch it in the Comanche version at some point because holy shit, this movie was fucking awesome. Um, Yeah. It was really good like the only issue i had is there's a little bit of questionable cgi with the a couple of the wild animals you see in this other than that like the predator is fierce and intimidating as shit it's got some really good gore moments like he's got some uh unique weapons that you haven't seen before or ones that are similar to what you've seen before but since this is 1700 you know 200 some odd years before Predator, the original shows up. So the weapons are obviously more evolved at that point. Um, and he's got a different design to him. And that's what I like because uh, nerding out a little bit, but I believe it is the Yaucha, which is the Predator species. Um, and the, there are you know many different hunting tribes. So not all of them will look the exact same wearing the exact same style outfit and hunting gear and all that. And yeah, they focused on that with this one. They, he looks different than the predators that we know and love but at the same time like still similar in structure and but holy hell movie was incredible uh the actress that played naru uh, let me look her name up amber mid thunder she was amazing absolutely amazing as as naru like really good acting and her uh the guy that played her brother dakota beavers he was also incredible like you got some really good acting talents in this film and the cinematography was beautiful it's a beautiful setting I cannot recommend this highly enough. This film is probably tied for the best Predator movie in the franchise for me. So if Rob wants to watch that when he can. Yes, I recommend this to you, Rob. If you, but knowing you, you probably already have watched it. <laughs> and he probably already hates it. Yeah, Rob probably. Humphrey from the Slasher Radio and this Horror Life podcast. That's okay. Yeah. So there you go, Rob. I uh, love but, you, even even if you hate me, Rob. Yes, this is a Hulu original, so it can be found on Hulu. And I believe in the countries that do not have Hulu, I believe it is on Disney+. Plus. Yes, it is on Disney+, Plus because Disney owns everything. Yep. <laughs> Hashtag Disney owns life. So the next one I'm going to talk about is Incantation. This has been released on the Netflix. Um, it is a Thai film. It is not bad. It is a mockumentary found footage about a little girl who is possessed by evil spirits and the woman that's trying to establish where the curse is from. It is a long film. You're almost looking at a two-hour runtime, so buckle in for this one. Tim Gavis gave it three stars. Rob Humphrey gave it three and a half. <gasps> Look at this. Shock. Coming together in unison, Shock. the two yes. of them. Amazing. What next will we see? I guess world pieces in order if these two can agree on a film um <laughs> yeah i would probably sit in the same realm as them it was entertaining enough you know very very interesting apparently it's inspired by a true story who knows how inspired it is um but it's a free watch on netflix so if you enjoy possession films mockumentaries etc check it out on netflix it is either dubbed in english or you can have the subtitles if you prefer nice yeah, this is one i've been meaning to check out still um Scott didn't know what to do there because it was me and I had to blow my nose. And he doesn't yeah, like, say, like the next one's not me. <laughs> 
He's like, Heather, we've learned this a long time ago. I do not do well when left on the spot. Do not leave me. Great. Don't leave um, me or I'll make things awkward. And man, Scott's like, um, and I, um, on, I just like movies and Predator. And, and let me tell you more about the tribes of Predator. <laughs> you guys know I play Magic? Um, oh, my God. We haven't brought that up in a long time. At least two episodes. At least two episodes. <laughs> so this one is called Lexi. It's a 80-minute runtime. It's a 2022 as well. Laughing Lexi has gone missing, and as the tale unfolds, the story of what really happened becomes stranger than fiction. This is a movie that is available on the Tubi, if you would like to watch it there. Um, it is a movie that talks about influence in social medias and what can happen when people... Um, What's the word I want to say here? When when your online persona gets different reactions from different people, mm. uh, this this movie questions on what happened to her. Was there simply supernatural? Was she murdered, or was there a mental health issue? And you don't really know at the end of the film. It's actually a really good found footage film, and I do not find this character annoying. Um, this young woman wrote, produced, directed this film, and her dogs are in it. She has three pit, bu- pit bulls that are really fucking cute. So um, it is a very interesting um, question about what found, um, sorry, social influencers go through, social media influencers go through. I enjoyed it greatly, uh, but it has to be your thing in order for you to watch it, though I can say I did not find the main character annoying. It is available on Tubi. It is called Lexi, and it is an 80-minute runtime. Nice. Uh, and was that was you said it was on Tubi? Is that a Tubi original or? No, it's just on Tubi. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's not, no, it's not. It's actually better than a Tubi original. So yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I meant to say too when I was talking about Prey, uh, there was a good boy in that as well. His name. Oh, was there a good boy? There was a good boy, and his name was uh, Suri, and Aww. he was a very good boy actor. Oh, such a good boy! And I found out earlier uh, before we jumped on the call that. Yeah, apparently they adopted him for the film. Aww, what a good boy. And he was just a handsome good boy. Aww. <laughs> I like the, we love it when there's dogs in films. That's Fuck thing. yeah, we do. Dogs and cats, I love it. Right. Yeah, Scott loves the pussy. Damn right, love that pussy. Right? That's why there's four of them. Yeah, exactly. I don't let it, and I, I try not to get them wet, though. Oh, no, of course not. That would be something bad. Yeah. Then the claws, <laughs> come, out. Then the claws come out. <laughs> Scott likes that, actually. So anyone who's listening, Meow. he's into that kind of thing. Give him a shout. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch this one coming up before we get too fucking sidetracked on, like, fucking cats and shit? Did you watch this one or no? Yeah, I'll say I was the one that told you about it, or told you that I oh, watched shit. it. Oh, shit. Yeah, you were. Sorry, Scotty. That's all right. So, yeah, I'll. I'll do the synopsis for it. Okay. Uh, so the next one is The Reef. Stalked. Do, 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 do. Uh, definitely not as good as that classic. But uh, after her sister's murder, Nick, her younger sister, and two friends seek solace through a Pacific Island kayaking adventure. Hours into the trip, the women are stalked by a shark and must band together, face their fears, and save each other. Uh, so if you've seen the original Reef, this is not like that. <laughs> This is more your just typical shark movie. Yep. Nothing really to write home about here. It talks a little bit about it, domestic abuse in the very beginning and then just kind of like tosses that to the wayside for just shark action. And I will say like, they at least give you bits and pieces of the shark fairly early on, which is good. And the shark didn't look bad. I thought the domestic abuse and the shark were supposed to be the same, like the metaphor. Because oh. the shark stalks and doesn't give up. That's 
Because huh. remember how the boyfriend stalks her. Like, we're not giving you spoilers. This happens in the first fucking five minutes of the movie. Um, the boyfriend stalks the sister. Yeah. Well, I didn't right? even think about that. Yeah, that's what I, I, it, I didn't think it was great, by the way. I didn't think that was a great tie-in, but that's what I thought they were trying to do. Gotcha. Yeah, that would make more sense. I was like, yeah, it just didn't feel like it, it didn't really belong yeah. with the rest of the film. No, it didn't. You're right. <laughs> but that's <laughs> what I think they were trying to do. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, this was, you know, a typical shark film. Like nothing's to write home about, nothing to go, oh my God, this is the best ever. But, you know, it's easy. It was an easy watch. Um, and it actually, you know, it had a decent looking shark in it and like some decent kills. And, you know, it didn't leave you bored. No. which is the cardinal sin for some of these like low budget shark movies is either not showing you a shark at all till like the last little bit or just dragging the movie out. Like it, it had a decent runtime and it just like had a decent pace to it. So like definitely is a, uh, you know, if you're a shark fan, I would recommend this, but like, yeah, what are your thoughts? I thought it was good enough for a shark movie. I enjoy movies on the ocean and swimming because I like those activities uh yeah i thought it was entertaining enough the shark effects were decent enough the you know you you gotta suspend some disbelief you could pick apart this movie pretty easily with like some of the decisions that are made and right. etc but like eh, it's a it's a movie about a group of people that go out kayaking and run into shit and they have a bigger problem that they run into and they do their best to deal with it while dealing with the grief of a lost loved one it's a pretty simple movie and at a 93 minute runtime it doesn't overstay its welcome yeah it gets in it gets out it's a simple summertime fun movie yeah but you don't have to call it a cab in the morning no no like it's it's fine for what it is i enjoyed it enough for what it is pretty much yeah like it yeah. was it was there yeah no harm no foul and i believe this is on shutter it is on the shutty it's also on youtube for rent and a couple other places as well oh yep yeah here we go so itunes voodoo google play amazon and then yeah shutter so the last one we'll talk about is unboxed and no we're not talking about like what <laughs> scott likes to do on a saturday night i'm gonna kind of um, like to unbox myself yeah <laughs> this is a 73 minute runtime it's about a another social media influencer who's up or coming and under the pressure of a vip sponsor to give her best performance in a halloween live stream the stream starts with trivia questions and then the night takes a creepy turn very very low budget film um you know playing again off of the whole social media influencer thing it's not bad you know yet again if you're a up-and-coming filmmaker and you're starting from the absolute bottom and you want to get an idea of what a low-budget film would look like this is worth your time generally speaking i wouldn't recommend it to many other people scott and i do have a soft spot for these low-budget films and what they're trying to do not everybody sees that that way i found out later from listening to how other people rank low-budget films that we like right people don't see it that way that's absolutely fine too even if they're wrong so this movie <laughs> is available to rent on youtube um and that's it right now so if you want to rent it on there that's great um, if you want to support a local film or an indie filmmaker and you want to see how it's done, I suggest checking it out that way. And that concludes our 2022 watches for this episode. Yay, Scotty brought his A game. I'm I back, know. Baby. Oh, yes. Scotty came back very next day. Scotty came back, which is interesting because you know, Scott, huh. ah. for older films, sometimes they come back. They come back. So I had to watch, sometimes they come back for another podcast that I'm on, um, a 1991 
Stephen King adaptation. And I really fucking loved it. I thought it was fucking brilliant. And yeah, it's a Stephen King TV film. And yeah, you know, you got the cliches and not the best acting, but fuck, this is a good little story. Now, I know you saw it a long time ago, Scott, but... Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot from it because like this was back when I lived with my parents, how long ago I seen it. Um, mm. But I do remember like the uh, antagonists in this, the ones that come back, they're like greasers, right? Yeah, they are. So basically, these greasers killed the main character's brother in 1963. He is forced to move back to the town, you know, 27 years later, because it's the only teaching job he can get. And these greasers, I guess, sense that he's back. And people in his class, like students in his class, start to die off. And it's suspected of suicide, but it's not suicide. These greasers, they're, they're, they're coming back and killing these kids. And they're taking their place and they want revenge on this guy because the reason why um, that they, so the reason why they want revenge is because when they killed this guy's brother, he grabbed the keys to their car because they were in a train tunnel and took off with the keys. So the car got hit and all of them died except for one guy who escaped. And it's a, it's a really good story. I really enjoyed it. Like, I'm sad I missed out on this. This was a first time watch and I will go back and watch it again. I enjoyed it so much. Probably one of my, out of the 90s Stephen King films that have been adapted to the screen. I, I liked that one probably the most. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, because I remember this one not getting that big of a push back then. Like, I don't even think it made it to theaters. I think it was, because uh, I think this was a theatrical, like a, like, well, or was this not made for TV movie? I, I forget. It was made for TV. Was it? Okay. See, I didn't even, I don't even remember hearing about it when it was on TV where, you know, like it and Langoliers and all that stuff had a big push. Um, but yeah, I just remember the DVD later on came out and my stepdad brought it home and me and my brother watched it. And yeah, I remember loving the car and the antagonists, like being the greasers, like, cause Stephen King's loves his uh, greaser style bad guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I remember it being a fun film. So yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to revisit it because, yeah, it'll be basically like a first time watch for me because, yeah, it's been that long that I it's very foggy in my brain. And yeah, apparently I, there's like a couple sequels, too. There is, which apparently aren't that great, but That's I really surprising. enjoyed this one. I thought it was fabulous. Um, yeah, I'll watch it again for sure. I uh, I really, really dug it. And it does have like, you know, for a Stephen King film, it does have an happy ending, which is sometimes nice. I sometimes like happy endings. I'm not somebody who's like... Oh man, I always like when it ends on a downer. Like right. I don't, I don't know. I it's fine. That's great. But I sometimes like happy endings. It makes me happy. Yeah, I'll say that's kind of rare for a Stephen King. Mm. Like maybe it's like the people that adapt it because most of the time Stephen King just doesn't know how to end his movies or end his books. No, no. And just kind of leaves you just like wondering what the fuck. <laughs> like what happened? But um, in terms of what's new, because I'm assuming you don't have an older watch, right, Scotty? Uh, nope. Well, I mean, I guess I technically do. And that'd be the uh, Chucky TV series. So something that came out last year. But I binged watch that like because after watching the episode with you, it kind of made me want to watch it again. So I kind of started binge watching that again and easily blew through all eight episodes. And fuck, that is such a good series. If you are a fan of Child's Play and Chucky, this TV series like ties it all together and like I said on the Horror for Dummies, uh, I think it was when we were doing the best franchises or whatever, they don't uh, shy away from, hey, you know that one movie where we introduced uh, a child into the mix and you know Chucky got married and all that? We're not going to shy away from that. We'll actually implement that into the storyline as well. We are not going to be Halloween that goes, hey, forget all of the sequels except for this one, but we'll remind you about the other ones. Hey, forget this sequel too in this movie. Forget about these sequels in this movie. No, no, Don Mancini is just like, nope, this is Chucky's history. Here you go. I'll put this all in one season. And 
So yeah, if you're a, fa- a fan of Chucky and just want more of it, I highly, 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 highly recommend this uh, eight episode season because season two is coming out sometime in October, I believe. Nice. Awesome. That's cool. Good older watch. Yeah. And for what's new, I've been watching or listening to this podcast of Who the Bleep Did I Marry? Um, it's from Investigation Discovery, and it's basically real life situations where people marry someone and either they try to, they find out their husband has a double life, they find out their wife is trying to murder them, they find out that, you know, there's some really sad cases where sexual abuse has been going on in the family, um, or that there's fraud. Like it's all over the place and crazy. Or one guy that was married to like 15 women. Like it's just crazy, crazy shit. So if you like true crime, they're short little 22 minute episodes. So they're very palatable. And you like hearing about like people getting married and just chaos and shit happening afterwards. I recommend it. And it's who the bleep did I marry? You can search it in any of your podcast um, streaming services that you choose to use like Spotify, iTunes or whatever. And you should be able to find it. Um, great true crime. Very interesting. Very horror adjacent. Nice. Yeah, I'll say, uh, I think I've actually heard of this podcast. Oh, did you? Cool. cool. Yeah, I'll say, it so- sounds very familiar. Or there may have been like a TV series off of this. Oh, yeah. I, there's a TV series off of this. Okay, yeah, that may be what podcast. I remember then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I didn't really have anything new for what's new this time around. Um, I've been mainly just kind of like playing catch up with 2022 movies. And I did, uh, did do a little bit more gaming on ARC. So I guess I could talk a little bit more about that, but I'm just kind of a me, my cousin and our buddy, John Doe, we all have this server together that we jump on and we all have been just kind of like trying to survive in this uh, wasteland of a world that's like beautiful, but also extremely dangerous with all these ferocious dinosaurs and prehistoric creatures of all sorts in it. Nowhere is safe. The water, the sky is the ground. You got to just basically be careful, train your, find certain dinosaurs that you can train to help you with harvesting or just try to train to help you like uh, fight off more dangerous creatures. Um, some of the di- like dinosaurs I have in this, of course, you know, T-Rex, which is absolutely terrifying, but they also have the Giga- Giganto- Gigantosaurus or whatever, or also known as the Giga, which is the much, much, much larger version of a T-Rex and absolutely terrifying. Uh, but all these dinosaurs, you can at some point eventually train if you have the skill to knock them unconscious and have the patience to train them. So that is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, once again, like I thought we talked about this in the intro last episode about how I've been playing this. But yeah, I've been pretty much uh, knee deep in this, just completely sucked in because I love these survival games of just like trying to live in dangerous habitats. And I mean dinosaurs. Hell yeah. I mean, hell, you can train them and then start mating them and have like baby dinosaurs and stuff like that. that you oh, get. see, and, you're how the black market starts in Jurassic Park Dominion. Right? Except for in like, unlike Jurassic World, I refuse, like there is no way to mix and match DNA. So you can only breed raptor with raptor. You can only breed you know, with the correct species. So you don't get no weird ass. Wow. I didn't malcoms. know this game was so judgmental. Right. Love is love, Scott. So I you're trying inter- to tell me that if a raptor loves a brontosaurus, <clears throat> they can't be together. Nope. No interspecies love in this. Wow. So American. Damn right. Was this game made in Alabama? <laughs> Probably. Alabama. Keep it in the family. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I, but no, I know it is a very small team that actually built this game, and it's been around for like fuck, like so. They are years. basically like Alabamian. Yeah, yeah, totally. people from Alabama. Though um, they do have a sequel coming out, and uh, apparently they got Vin Diesel as a voice actor for it. Well, Vin Diesel's not doing much right now between Fast and Furious films, so I'm sure he's got some right. time on his hands, right? And and plus, Vin Diesel is a huge nerd, just like me. So, uh, is he really? He plays D and D. Loves oh, D and D. You look just like Vin Diesel. I totally do. You're so fast. Wait, you a did family. that Fast and Furious. <laughs> Should I say on air what I said to you one day about the Oh God, <laughs> that'll be completely up to your discretion. What, there. what was I upset about? You didn't message me or something, right? Oh yeah, because I uh, was I slept in really late or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Where are you? Are you alive?" And you're like, "Oh, sorry, I slept in." I'm like, "Yeah, I get it. This must be how Vin Diesel felt when Paul Paul Walker died and abandoned him or something like that." And then I sent you like something like, "Family, you don't turn your back on family." Quote or something like that. God, I love those movies. I love how everything's like family, yeah, family, yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't turn your back on your family and they're always drinking coronas hanging out in the backyard having a barbecue they're a bunch of fucking wanted criminals and they're just chilling having, having a cookout barbecue you and cookout yeah sorry cookout <laughs> whatever the fuck they're doing it's fucking ridiculous anyway so that's what we've been up to um our older films and our new 2022 so we hope we've given you something to check out if you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah you know what i'm saying oh i know what game and when we come back we're gonna talk about italian horror bella bella bella, bella. and some lots of eye torture and overdubbing and uh hopefully um we don't upset lucas um <laughs> Oh, with our review. <laughs> yeah, Lucas may not be our friend after this. Um, Lucas, I want you to know it was good while it lasted. And I will always love you. And I, <laughs> yeah, we'll always uh, love you. Because he said, don't fuck this up. And I was like, well, we fuck up a lot of things, Lucas. So, right, well, I told him, like, you realize who you're listening to when you yeah, say that, right? Like, our reviews are like, you know, that part in the movie where, like, her eyes almost get cut out. Yeah. Look, I thought that was good, but the rest of the movie, I didn't get. We'll get to that one in a little bit. Um, but before then, <laughs> oh. we're going to listen to a message from one of our many Legion sponsors, sponsors, Legion sponsors, Legion podcasts. Um, so after these messages, we'll be right back. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. 
watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did be a you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Welcome back. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about Italian horror and uh, talking about gelato. I mean, giallos, <laughs> all the giallos. We just talked about gelato flavors the entire time. I'm like, I like coffee and strawberry. <laughs> Lucas, <laughs> Lucas Dickinson is already turning off the podcast because he is mad. He's like, you already failed me, Heather. We weren't five seconds in. But Scotty has something special he would like to bring in to our italian horror discussion yeah i'll say i already shared this to our group page but i just thought it'd be fun to read it out loud oh please but uh i had found a meme this week while we were uh doing this and i was like oh my god this is so perfect i gotta share it to our group uh but it's 70s italian film composer i have made this this song for the film it is so hauntingly beautiful 70s italian director does comically large uh, line of cocaine. <laughs> oh, okay. Fuck. Perfect. We will use it for the scene where the woman has her face burned off with a blowtorch. <laughs> that was more of a French accent, but sorry. <laughs> but that sums up every Italian film from the 70s. Yeah, because um, they always yeah. do have these beautiful ass scores to them, and they just don't uh, ever really fit the scene that is in the movie, which is always entertaining to me. Always. Always entertaining always entertaining always weird always hard for me to follow always wants me to make always want to eat gelato always every time i hear giallo i don't care if this makes me sound dumb i think of gelato every single time and yeah, i'll gelato. say uh two of these are uh definitely giallos the others one's more a slasher and one's more uh kind of lovecraftian in nature oh man i want to oh oh that one yeah yeah i guess so yeah but like um, uh but yeah the giallos are always like the uh kind of like crime drama style they are crime drama because yeah giallo was like a yellow uh covers and yellow spined uh books back in the day that always were like crime police style investigative type uh stories why why did they dub their voices can we just talk about this for a second why do there are their voices dubbed over their own voices all right so from what i was reading like i i kind of had an idea of this a while ago like i thought it was for uh budget reasons like it maybe made it cheaper for editing purposes and whatnot but uh, apparently what it is is you know all italian films back in the day or at least majority of them would do the would you know film the movie but then would not use on any audio and then would have the actors come back and dub over their own voices later on that's why it always sounds a bit weird and just doesn't like kind of tie in right correctly but apparently what it was is they are uh a lot of the italian films used a large group of people from england and uh like all over the countries like nearby so there was like a lot and even like american actors and stuff like that too so it was like since there was a lot of different languages that people were coming in for this film they decided that it'd just be easier to instead of uh with all the different uh cultures and everything they figured it'd just be easier to film the voices over top just because there was that eclectic mixture of actors well it did make their films eclectic because it's a very special italian thing it really is like yeah there's no not many other types of films like 
dub over their own voices like this because right. i'm not even sure if you can find like uh these films specifically in like italian language like like with subtitles or anything i don't know if that's a thing no i have no idea either um nor are we going to look into it. So if someone knows about that, you can t- share it on our page. Um, yeah, you know us, is, we don't do research. Yeah, we don't. Well, we used to. Remember, we used to do tons of research. Yeah, but that like, was work. Yeah, but that's that was back in the day when we were younger. <laughs> and, when, and when we uh, really, really were trying to be unique. And now we're just like, ah, fuck it, we're being. Well, it was also during the pandemic and we had nothing else to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, anyway, why don't we start with this first film? Uh, all right. Now, this is a giallo, right? Yep. Okay. The first one and the last one, I would consider okay. a giallo. Not a gelato. Not a gelato, Heather. That'll be later. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, so the first movie we are going to talk about is What Have You Done to Solange? Released March 9th, 1972. A sexually sadistic killer preys on the girls of St. Mary's Catholic School. Uh, student Elizabeth witnessed one of the murders, but her hazy recollections of a knife-wielding figure in black do nothing to further the police the police's investigations. Yeah, uh, like why are police really dumb in Italian films? Yeah, like I mean, <laughs> I mean they're the cops. That's that's just what happens. Yeah, yeah. Let me start off by saying this film is extremely well made. Very, very great slow burn crime drama. Yes. Excellent. The story makes sense. The killer makes sense. Everything makes sense. Yeah, once but you man, Italian that... movies are fucking weird. <laughs> yes. And uh, they also have this uh, knack, especially Giallo's, of someone that is not a cop or a private eye tends to be the person that does all the investigating. So we got this school teacher who is like investigating it all without the help of the cops, just doing it on his own as yeah, well. For no real reason, except for his students in his class keep dying. And eventually yep. the girl that he's banging in the boat, okay, they're in a boat and they're making out. And there's a line where he's like, she sees some chick running in the bushes naked. And she's like, I saw something. He's like, I must be a horrible lover if you'd rather look at the landscape. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, get the fuck out of here with this shit. Who fucks in a boat? Like I like sex and I would bang in a boat. You'd be like hobbling and topping and like, yeah, there's no way that would be, that would go well. Um, and the funny thing is with this character this uh teacher i like i get the uh i get that he's uh at least this is kind of what i how i gathered it but like he's only doing really this investigation because uh he is cheating on his wife with a student and doesn't want anyone to know like that's kind of how i took it yeah like i don't think he's a good dude i think he's doing it for selfish reasons um you know, anyway, so the first chick dies and then eventually the girl that witnesses it, who's Elizabeth, she dies. Bathtub scene, the bathtub scene where she dies is actually pretty good. Like, yeah, obviously the killer sneaks in and drowns her. Um, the vagina knife thing for the first chick that's killed in the woods is, you know, quite well done as well. Um, you know, and then you got like this guy's wife who is, I guess, sexually repressed, like they don't fuck, which is why he's banging all these other chicks. And then he comes clean to her about it. And it's a really, honestly, it's just a long movie. If you like giallos and you like these type of films, this is a fucking solid film. The acting's decent. The writing's decent. Everything makes sense. Um, when you find out what happened to Solange and why, um, you know, these murders are happening and basically a defense of her of a botched abortion, though is, Solange uh, is not dead at the end. I thought she was dead. Yeah, I was gonna say they make you think that she had died like early on in the movie. And that's why they're trying to figure out everything. Like at first, I thought it was the first victim that got that the woman seen in the boat, I thought was Solange. And like, that's where I was confused for a bit. But like, yeah. as the story progresses, you're going, oh, nope. And like, yeah, these other girls get involved. They're like, are looking for Solange. And 
they end up finding her later. And yeah, the reveal of the killer makes perfect sense. Like, well, makes sense to an extent. I mean, I don't know if I'd go this far, like as killing these other women and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like uh, apparently Solange was uh, pregnant and got uh, basically a forced abortion by these uh, women and their headmistress of the school or whatever I think it was. Or yeah, was it a nun? Like they told her that she had to do that because she had had an orgy at the sex club and like I guess because she had sinned right like there's so many like comments in here that fucking made my blood boil and it's 1972 but there's one comment the cop makes but goal she was a good girl not running around with other men I'm like fuck off with this fucking patriarchy yeah fucking misogynist shit but I got oh, an Italian films are known for their misogyny and it's 1972 Heather you know check your check your dates it is what it is you know, but it's stuff like that that just makes me roll my eyes. Yet again, I'm not taking anything away from this film and the filming of it or the writing of it. It's a great film. It's just some of this shit just doesn't hold up in 2022. <laughs> you know, no. that's all right. And it is what it is. There's lots uh, of films that don't hold and up. Like, and I questioned like, okay, why are the uh, girls that were also at this orgy helping hold this woman down to do this abortion? And it's because they didn't want her going and talking about the orgy to anybody else and like yeah. revealing where she got pregnant. So they're like, yeah, well, we have to do this. And it's like, that's so fucked up. Like, well, it's all depression of female sexuality and patriarchy yeah. shit. Like it's, that's what it's all about. Right. And that's fine. You know, it's not wrong, wrong for 1972. That definitely would be the case. Like they're not talking about something that's inaccurate. Um, yeah. Like it's just, it's honestly a really good film. It's a really good murder mystery film. I just found it a little long personally for me. Mm -hmm. um but it kept me guessing like i knew it wasn't the teacher it made zero sense because he was in the boat when the other chick was killed so that made we knew from the beginning it couldn't be him um it would be impossible so i i did enjoy you know him trying to unravel the mystery i did find it kind of ended just oddly like solange is there and she's just really traumatized and then it ends yeah that's also another thing that seems to kind of happen in these films yeah like anyway um overall very very well done film but yeah i'm just not a giallo person i'm really not no i'll say like i thought i really liked these films but like i liked them more when i was uh first getting into them because of the gore and stuff like that because italian films do have some very vicious kills yes they absolutely do though nothing really stands out that i remember from this film that was a vicious kill well i mean the knife in the vagina i guess but like i was gonna say like every one of the kills had like some type of vaginal trauma because that's yeah like every one of them did like but yeah most of these like this one in particular didn't have any like standout oh that was really gore this one was more very heavily story focused very very story focused and a good movie a good movie yeah. but very much a 1972 film um very much focused on that time but i would say if you like giallos and for some reason you haven't seen this one take check it out i think you will enjoy it yep agreed like just know that it is a long slow burn like yes. this is like that was the only issue i had with it is like yep some of these films could have been cut for run times a bit and just be prepared for some heavy misogyny and fucking patriarchy shit and, yeah and, you know expect that from 1970 films like honestly as much as i'm like criticizing it at the same time i know that's common in lots of films so just know walking into it that you're gonna have to be exposed yourself to it right exactly Uh, the next one though is a very 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 well-known one in the italian world or in the horror community um and that is lucio falci's the beyond Mm -hmm. released april 29th 1981 a young woman inherits an old hotel only to find it sits atop a gateway to hell and all manner of creatures lurk in the darkness well not all manners of creatures more like the undead 
there is no other real creatures except for well i guess now there yeah there's tarantula stuff too and yeah it's a very this is a very uh strange movie like that is very almost like a nightmare like it doesn't fully make sense but uh at the same time visually it is uh striking and the whole entire time you're just going what the fuck is going on and the whole and this is a total faulty thing there is a reason he is considered godfather of gore because the gore in this is way up there oh yeah very gory very good yeah like this very one, evil very evil very very nice very evil <laughs> very nice but very evil that has in uh let's see faulty housing faulty housing faulty housing uh but yeah this one i do really enjoy like even though it really doesn't make a lick of sense like i i do love this one but my favorite because it's a uh, the uh gateway to hell trilogy is what it's called so the beyond city of the living dead and uh uh, 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 house by the cemetery oh your old podcast yeah um so it's a trilogy of those that all talk about the gateway like the gate to hell basically and uh but i like city of the living dead the best uh that one just has some really little makes a little more sense and is a little more like gory and freaky uh but this one yeah this one is like uh so basically whenever like there is this uh i believe was a priest or something like that that was cemented up in the basement because of or a warlock that's what it was he was a warlock that got uh, cemented up in the basement because of like some weird uh, rituals he was doing and the townsfolk caught him and yeah, like pretty much like killed him and then shoved him into the wall of the basement mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. sealed him up in there. And then, you know, jump into the future of to the 80s where this woman inherits this uh, hotel and uh, she sends, which I find funny, Joe the plumber. Uh, Joe the plumber. Down to like fix some pipes and he accidentally like cracks open like the wall trying to get to the pipes and releases the evil which then in turn like starts turning people or killing people in fucked up ways and bringing them back as zombies um or just like demons or something uh but it's never fully explained but like everybody like gets like the milky white eyes and then slowly will start turning and like man this movie like really makes no sense i have a hard time like going through storyline wise but it's just more about the showcase of the gore and the bizarre effects like basic 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 story is this evil in hotel guy opens portal guy says don't kill me me only one stop portal people don't believe chick moves there many years later weird shit starts happening more weird shit starts happening random blind chick with dog appears no one else can see random blind chick with dog evil takes over town everyone turns to zombies the end (laughs) (laughs) yeah you are pretty much it that's like that's the that's the real dumbed down version now I do enjoy the relationships in this. I enjoy Lisa's relationship with the doctor, John McCabe. Um, I do enjoy their dialogue that they have. They don't really, like, you get the feeling there's romantics, but there's not real romantic. Like, they didn't go down a role where there's, like, an unnecessary sex scene. Right. right? Like, I don't like, think there was really any nudity in this one. No, like, they're just kind of there. And, like, they're kind of almost like he's trying to help her solve the situation. Um, I did enjoy Emily and her dog. What I did not get is why Emily did not turn. Like, why was she just blind throughout the entire thing? Did she she never turned into a zombie. She was just blind. Yeah, but everybody else that went blind kind of did. Yeah, like she seemed to be blind for a real long time. Because when the scene that I really enjoyed is when zombies come back to get her. And they, I'm not going to go back. 
like and she tries to warn lisa too to leave like she tries to get lisa out of the situation Mm -hmm. and lisa chooses to stay because she says i'm not afraid of ghosts i'm not gonna leave blah 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 i grew up in new york i was really confused what emily's role was was she sent there like we, we get the impression of that she was sent there by hell to facilitate this but why was she then warning lisa to leave I almost took her character as like a guardian of this place. Like, okay. Like there's nothing that I can do to uh, stop this from happening, but all I can do is kind of give you warnings of, Hey, stay the hell away. Don't come here. Okay. I can accept that. That's kind of like, I almost took that as kind of like in the movie, the Sentinel, there's a character that is like tasked with like, basically like you're doomed to just kind of stay in this place And uh, you just got to kind of be the watcher slash guardian to warn others away. Okay, I can I can accept that. That makes sense to me. Um, Yeah, because like, yeah, obviously there is pure evil of unknown uh, forces going on here because like, yeah, there's uh, there was this one guy, I forget his name, but he goes to the library and he's trying to look into like what is going on. And then the, the force of the evil ends up like bringing out tarantulas out of nowhere that yeah. end up eating him alive, which I love the effects of that because you get like real life tarantulas. Then you get these really cheesy puppet tarantulas when it's up close, like doing damage to him. And like, uh, in typical faulty fashion, lots and lots and lots of eye trauma and lots and lots of up close eye stuff. Very up close eye stuff. It was very much like you uncomfortable with eye shit. Let's get this going on. Um, my favorite scene is where Dickie is protecting Emily attacks one of the zombies and then turns and then attacks her yes that is one of my fave scenes actually can you hear my dog barking in the background can you yep. hear him <laughs> he's, he's like dicky i feel you right he's he's dreaming right now and that's him barking in his sleep oh hopefully he's not dreaming of the beyond i know right he's probably dreaming because we went for the hike yesterday we're gonna go for one later he's probably dreaming of chasing squirrels as through the woods and barking <laughs> um but yeah like honestly that was my favorite scene was that scene where the dog turns on emily and you know when they eventually the doctor comes back and confronts lisa that she's imagining everything but then he goes down to the basement and he's like obviously you're not because all this shit's happening it's going like the hospital my god everyone in the hospital's a zombie like you know what i mean like and then they got that random little girl that's in this and like there's that scene in the morgue i'm kind of jumping all over with the movie but that's kind of how the movie is though yeah the movie just jumps all over the place it's fucking italian films but it's a good film yet again italian films are not my go-to but i respect this film i think it's it's entertaining it's well made would i watch it a second time probably not but that's just because it's not my thing it's a right. good movie yeah i'll say like there's only two movies on this list that i would rewatch, and uh like this is one of them because <laughs> yeah i yeah, obviously i am the gore hound i do love like the practical effects mm-hmm. of gore and stuff like that and like i do like the films that really make no sense because you get something different from it each time you watch it and this is only i think the second or third time i have seen this now um and like yeah the more and more i watch the more and more i pick up like oh yeah this is definitely like a lovecraftian in a way like because it's just this realm from another world like that is just like basically it's hell but like they portray it as like a completely different realm and it's like unknowing like power of driving people mad and killing people and then especially the uh very like obtuse ending where the two mains are like sucked through the portal and they are standing in this desolate wasteland and they're like just kind of staring in like shock and awe and fear. And then you see their eyes all both go that milky white. 
and they are yeah. stuck in this they are stuck in the beyond now which uh if anybody's watched the void that like the void took a lot of nods from from the beyond oh absolutely for sure 100 percent. yeah absolutely um yeah yeah i think you definitely dig this movie more than i do but yet again that is not to say anything offensive towards this movie i'm just not which is funny because uh right I'm, I dig this movie more than you, but yet when it comes to talking about it, like you sound like you knew more what was going on than I am. I'm just like, ah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, there was just certain scenes that really stood out to me, but it's just Italian films in general. I find they drag the shit out. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not as into that, but I understand why people like it. You know, just because it's not my thing doesn't mean it's not good. Right. It just means that it's not my thing. I can respect that these movies are well made and a lot of blood, sweat and tears gets put into them. And there's some thoughtful storylines that go into it. And I see why people worship them. Absolutely. It's just not my thing. Nope, I get that. And uh, okay. yeah, I was going to say, because uh, this one and the next one are definitely the uh, shorter run times of the four that we watched. And yes, you know, thankfully, and they are and they were they are good because of that. Yes, Scott and I like things that are short. Get in, get out. Don't fuck around. Don't drag it out. Which is what Um, we're trying to do with our podcast now. So let's move to the next one. All right. So the next one is uh, Stage Fright, a.k.a. Aquarius. Released Aquarius. Aquarius. Or Aquarius. Aquarius. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Stage Fright, also known as Aquarius, was released July 27th, 1987. A rehearsal for a play based on a real serial killer turns chaotic when the escaped felon comes for the curtain call. This is a movie directed by Michel Suave, which is the director of The Church that we watched way back uh, for the Demons episode. Oh, yes. Which I knew you were not a big fan of. (laughs) I definitely like this film more than The Church. I don't even remember The Church. Yeah, this one is, this one is basically a slasher. Okay. Yeah, it is a slasher. Yes, yes, yes. And I just, I love the uh, whole uh, concept of this being a play based on the serial killer that is actually still alive in a mental hospital that escapes and then just basically takes over the role of the serial killer and starts killing people off. Can we give this movie credit for being one of the few movies where the serial killer is the actual killer? It's not like, oh no, it's because of killer that escaped. And then they're like, no, it's not. It's somebody from the crew. And then they're like, no, no, it's the guy that escaped. No. Nope, he escaped and he just said, hey, doing a story about me? I'm intrigued. I want to be part of this. (laughs) I think this is a great slasher. I actually enjoy all of the characters. I love the guy that plays the owl. Um, I love the the dialogue back and forth between the women. I love how, like, the gentleman who's obviously presenting himself to be gay um, has that funny dialogue back and forth with the girl where he's Mm -hmm. like, well, you could start, like, go back to selling yourself or stripping or something. She's like, oh, you could go back to giving blowjobs or whatever it was on or hand jobs or whatever it was on whatever and then they give each other that like air kiss i loved it i thought that was great funny banter between obviously two people who are friends right um, and i kind of love the internal little drama that happens um alicia sprains her ankle she gets taken to the hospital she gets fired um betty is killed and then they still can alicia finds a body they call the police but then the director decides that oh man like all this drama and stuff will be perfect people will come see the play we need to just keep practicing and rehearsing and go from there and use this raw emotion that everybody's feeling i think it's really clever honestly yeah Yeah, i was Um, like like the uh the director is a complete like self-absorbed dick that just wants to make a very well popular uh 
a very good play because he wants to make money and become famous. So he's like not having any of this. And he's like, oh, this isn't going to stop. But then I like it because when things kind of just ramp up, he's just like, oh, fuck. All right. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then they can't get out of there. And fuck, I really do dig it. I, I thought the ending scene where she's trying to get to the keys and crawling underneath the, the stage that, was really well done. That scene, I because I we did this for the Horror Drunks podcast. Like, I think this was like the second episode I had done with them. Um, and it was the first time I'd watched this movie. And I want to bring this up to that scene where yeah she's going to crawl underneath the stage to grab the key it is so beautifully shot when you see the killer in the owl mask just sitting there on a chair amongst all his dead victims all laid out in like different ways Mm -hmm. and just see like these feathers just kind of floating down all over the stage like i don't know why but i just love the look of that scene it's like so beautifully shot and just kind of like creepy you know, this film really utilizes the stage well. It almost makes you feel like you're watching a stage play. Yeah. Yet it's a movie. And I think that says a lot about how it was filmed and the quality of the filming and directing of it. Yeah, agreed. Like it's uh like it was very well done and fast paced. Like mm-hmm. he um uh, and like uh yeah, like I love that they utilize like the entire uh building where this play is being done like so they're using a lot of the stuff the stage the rafters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they're like mm -hmm. the dressing rooms the shower rooms and stuff like that like they're using everything and i love how he is purposely the killer is purposely fucking with them when they're all i think locked in the uh changing room or whatever and he turns on like the music and the thunder he starts smacking the thunder sheets and stuff like that and like just purposely like just kind of getting into it loving it and just fucking with them like to really mess with yeah being really malicious um it's a really really interesting um yeah it's a really interesting cat and mouse game that happens here and I agree. I thought that this was probably one of my preferred out of these. I do not think it's the better movie. Let me make this clear. I do not think it's the better film. It was my preferred film. Right. Um, that was the easiest for me to watch out of these four. I do love how Willie shoots the unmasked Wallace at the end. I kind of really dug that. And I love his line because he repeats, I think because he's in shock or whatever, but he's like, like I said, you got to shoot him in the head. Just shoot him in the head. Yeah. You just got to right? shoot. He keeps repeating that line over and over again. Like he's in complete right? shock, which you, know, you would be if you did well, you something would like be. that. I I liked that scene of it. Overall, I probably, as I said, I enjoyed this movie the most. It's very easy to sit through. It's very quick. It's a slasher. It's very basic. Didn't need to use my thinking brain too much. <laughs> um, but that being said, that's my preference. I, I do think it's not the best made film. I honestly think what happened to Solange and the Beyond are the best made. I think the Solange, what happened to Solange is the best plot. If I'm real honest, like I think it made the most sense. Um and had a really good story and social message behind it, especially for the times, but uh, definitely not my, my preference if I were to watch them again. Right. Um, And I would say about stage fright is uh, this is the one that just doesn't feel nearly as Italian as the others. No, no. This one feels Americanized. Yeah. Like it has, it is the basic slasher concept and uh, like, there's not a lot of like the Italian, like the Italians love to film the eyes a lot. And there isn't a lot of that in this movie either. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, I, I agree. But it's got some really good kills and some good gore too. So it's like, if, if you have not seen this one, I recommend it. Like it's, if you're a fan of slashers, this is one that you need to check out because it's agree. got good kills, good characters, a good killer and a cool soundtrack and just a very like well-made movie. Absolutely. 
Now, this last one, I thought I was going to like a lot more than I actually did, but fuck, it dragged for me. Yeah, this is one oh, that I picked specifically because I remember liking it when I watched it back in the day. And I was like, all right, I know Heather is not a big fan of a lot of giallos, so I'm going to pick something that's unique, like that stands out from a, from the one and only Dario Argento. So I picked this one, which is Opera, released December 19th, 1987. A hooded figure forces a young diva to watch as he murders performers in a production of Verde's opera Macbeth. And this one, yeah, like, sorry, Xander. I know this one is like one of your favorite gallows. Uh, I remember liking this when I watched it years and years ago, but this time around, I felt just really dragged. Like they could have probably chopped 20 minutes off of this thing. Here's the thing. This scene, this movie has fucking incredible scenes. The scene where he tapes those little fucking knives to her face oh, the needles and she, yeah and she can't close her eyes and is forced to watch him murder and slowly slaughter people is incredible like fucking bravo dario agento or gento the filming the switches back and forth from like abstract filming to like almost cameraman filming like someone running around with the film from the crows perspective when the crows are flying around the mm-hmm. this like excellent you couldn't ask for better filmmaking this is not a bad movie if someone said to me heather this is in my top five movies of all time i would be like yeah i see why it just wasn't my jam yep um that being said there was some excellent eye like suspense horror in this I did understand the plot of what was going on, though I found the main chick very self-absorbed and a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Who watches someone get stabbed, runs outside, calls the cops, and then doesn't go back after she had sex with him? Like, what kind of piece of shit does that? Like, honestly, this girl was a fucking horrible human being. So, you know, that I think took it away from me because I was like, like, this was supposed to be the guy she was dating and she won't even tell the cops how she was there and that they were murdered. And then she tells the director and there's this weird thing going on between her and the director. And then the killer comes back at the end and the fucking sound of music hills. And mm-hmm. I thought like, the exact same thing. Like I was like, what the fuck is going on? But that being said, excellent filming, excellent special effects. But I found this one very long and very tough to get through. Yeah, but I was going to say, like uh, Dario Argento, obviously, like uh, his cinematographer that he brings on or like, I don't know like who it is, but like they always do these long shots and like they're just yeah you know, and beautiful well made like i love that like it's very he brings a flair of artisticness to his films like obviously yeah. suspiria is very artsy tenebrae has some very beautiful well shot scenes like in some really mm-hmm. long camera mm-hmm. se- angle scenes and like the man is very good he's very talented and oh yeah like some of the stories you know are l- too long for their own good though like this is one that i felt like yeah it could have been shaved probably like like why did we have to have the fucking sound of music scene at the end like can someone explain that to me why we needed to have the killer survives chases her out to the mountains kills her director friend then she makes him think that she's in love with him and that they're going to have this statistic like fucking relationship and then the cops come and then she's with a lizard at the end can someone please explain that to me sander kane can you please explain that to me like i'm not saying that to be malicious i really don't understand what the point of that ending was (laughs) like why did they add that on there why couldn't they just end where it ended why yeah just like 
didn't have to have that uh scene of the killer. Why did it have to be like, oh no, he actually it was a dummy and he threw a mannequin in the fire and it wasn't him. Right. Like, why? Why end it? Why not end it there? That was a perfect place to end it. I don't understand. Anyone who has an answer, please post it on our page because I don't understand the ending. And I'm sure there's a good reason. I just don't get it. Yeah, like I looked at it as like. They just wanted to film something beautiful. They were using this. Uh, they were staying somewhere, had this beautiful scenery. So they're like, let's make, let's film something here. That's like, the only thing would, I can think. How would he know that they were in the fucking Alps? I'm sorry. Right. Like, how did he be like, oh man, that's where they went? Like, I don't understand that whole scene. Everything else up to that, whether I liked it or not, like I got the suffering. You know, it, the the main character's mother died, and there's like the suffering. And how this guy used to be like, oh, she used to have to watch me suffer before we could make love and blah, 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 blah. Like, I got it. I got it. But like that ending part of it just ruined it for me because I just didn't understand it. So. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I totally get it. Because yeah, like I didn't remember a lot of this because like I said, it's been years. So I was like, oh, this is like at the opera house and everything. This will be unique and cool. Like uh, well, the like, opera uh, house was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. For and sure. I love the, you know, the love. I love the use of the crows everywhere in this and. Like it just kind of like just added to the atmosphere. Like this was, and once again, uh, though this one is where I was kind of like it threw me off with because I had like almost like eighties hair metal style glam music playing, and it's like you should have had some like weird like opera style music for these scenes, not no like eighties metal. And then the director kind of looked like David Bowie. Hmm? Oh yeah, I mean, he did. Yeah, right. Weren't you like David Bowie? What are you doing here? What's David Bowie doing in this movie? Crazy little David Bowie um yeah you know what yet again the services place in horror history totally respect if this is one of your favorite films like it is a beautifully made well shot well acted film just someone please explain to me the last fucking 10 minutes of this movie because yeah. i have no idea why we had the sound of music this bitch up um makes yeah, zero like, sense yeah because like you said the whole uh him being in the fire that could have been like a good ending showing them at the alps just kind of living their life out or not he dies in the fire she escapes you see her running out of the building the end yeah the end like why 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 the alps right why why did he follow why? them there why why why, why? Uh, that is a lot why, of Dario gentle why because <laughs> you know why Suspiria. loud noises big light and well, speaking of argento this makes me very curious because he just released a uh new movie that we should be seeing this year and i'm kind of oh, heard cause, yeah because i'm kind of curious to see how it is because he has not done a movie in quite some time oh man hopefully it has bright lights bright lights like I, I, dramatic music because his styling has changed a bit though his cinematography with camera has not which is kind of cool yeah it will be interesting to see italian horror definitely has its place and the thing is about italian horror films generally speaking this is the ones we watched today are good yes they're shitty ones but there's a lot of classics that are out there and giallos are very popular and they're very entertaining they are just this proves more and more that they are not my jam right um, that being said i respect them because i'm not one of those dicks who's like oh because i don't like it it means it's not good of course not that's a very ridiculous view to take um yeah. though i have to i i was i have to say uh our friend Xander kane gave me some shit because he's seen my review for opera like my score that i gave it on letterbox and he goes really a three out of five for opera I'm okay so Xander, you explain you. the motherfucking like sound of music shit at the end there and we'll talk <laughs> all right if you can give me a reason why all of a sudden they had to be like oh my god it was a mannequin in the fire not the actual guy and now we're in the alps then we can talk about it having a five out of five rating <laughs> um 
I would probably give it a four out of five. I think it's a solid film. I just don't, it's just not my go-to, but I think it's a very solid film. Yeah, and the only reason I gave it that is just because it just felt way too long in the tooth. (coughs) Yeah, Sander needs to come come on here. You know what? You also chose the movie when you were on here that I couldn't even watch Sander because it was (laughs) dubbed in English. What was it? The Beast or something Uh, within or something like that? Day of the Beast or A Della Bestia or something like that. A Della Bestia, which I was like, oh my God, well, I like that part that it did this. I I Um, like that I could watch it without the subtitles. I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Right? Well, sounds like my life in general. I really don't know what's going on (laughs) half the time anyway. So, you know, hashtag life. So that's our Italian horror. Thank you for um, sitting through with us on it. Hopefully we didn't, you know, lose fans. Because remember, we always say that it's up to you what you like. Just because we don't dig it doesn't mean that it's not a good movie. Right. And we really didn't bash any of these films. Like, oh, just, of course not. You know, How could like, you? Yeah. Like, none of these were terrible films. They're just, no. you know, some are not for us and some were just how it right? goes. Sometimes, sometimes you win. Sometimes, sometimes you lose. they come back. And sometimes Scott and Heather come back. better than ever all right so our out of the dark topic is drive in movies yep and our experiences with them right so you know what i came the first thing i thought about was dead end drive-in remember we watched that one oh the movie that made me hate all movies (laughs) And you were like, la, 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 I'm so so bored. (laughs) La, 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 la. Did they use this back in the day before allergy medicine existed to put people (laughs) to sleep? Oh, I was on fire with that movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. I have never laughed so hard before in my life. Um, That is one that people think of when they think of driving scenes. But what about Chillerama? That is the one uh, I instantly thought of, like, when we were talking about this, like, because it's the whole wraparound story is the drive-in right right and yeah i love that like uh it's uh you know if chillerama's an anthology story but yeah the main wraparound story is all about like uh zombies coming back and killing people and it's in the middle of a (laughs) drive-in where basically these movies we are these stories that we are watching in the anthology are the movies being played on the drive-in screen right it was fun yeah I i love that one and then uh it's only a small scene but uh uh, what the hell was the name of it? Uh, holy shit, I'm drowning. Blood Rage, the Thanksgiving slasher. Like, the yes. beginning of that, the brother, like, kills somebody and stuff like that, and it's in the drive-in. You know what my favorite actual movie is that occurs in the drive-in? is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Mm. Because they use that drive-in set several times in the film. They use it when the kids are hiding from the bullies and they also meet there later on to discuss what's been going on and the people that are missing. And I, I really love how that captures the drive-in feel. Honestly, out of all the drive-in movies that I've seen that include a drive-in, I find that movie, though we have not watched, hold up, Drive-In Massacre yet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? It's a 1976 American B-slasher movie. Um, Let's see what it's about. Let's see if it has anything here on Wikipedia. It looks pretty good. 74-minute runtime. A couple goes to a drive-in theater in rural California and are butchered by an unseen assailant who uses a sword to decapitate the man. Hmm. And it spears the women through the neck. Oh, man. This actually sounds pretty entertaining. Yeah, it kind of does, actually. Right? We'll have to see if we can check that that bad boy out. Man, there you go. But whenever I think of drive-in, I think of that. I definitely don't think of dead-end drive-in, even though it's, like, hopefully based out of drive-in and they're stuck. I try to forget that movie exists. (laughs) 
Motel Hell also says that they have a drive-in. I don't remember the drive-in scene in that. Yeah, I don't (laughs) remember that either. Same with Sleepaway Camp. There was no drive-in scene in Sleepaway Camp, was there? No. No, they're at the camp the entire time. Yeah, I was like, even the flashbacks, there's no drive-in scenes. Now, I think in Piranha, there is a drive-in scene. Because I think the Piranhas... Like the original Piranha? Yeah. I'll say it's been a long time since I've seen that one. (laughs) That's coming up. Um, and then what else is here? The, the wench, the wench from last year. Remember the one about, that was about the kids with the witch. Oh, the wretched. Yeah. Wretched. Sorry. The wretched. Um, I think what this is saying is like movies are, were played in the drive-in because yeah, there's no drive-in scene in that. No, either. but this is like horror movies with drive-ins in it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, remember, I don't remember there being a drive-in scene in that either. Okay. So here's my other list here. So let's see if we can remember any of these. The Town That Dreaded Sundown yep. 2014. Yes, definitely there's a drive-in in that one. Um, Targets, haven't seen that one. Chillerama we talked about. Drive-In Massacre, Drive-In Horror Show 2009. Hmm. Haven't seen that one. Um, Blood Rage, you talked about. Christine. Yeah, I was like, Christine was one I was going to bring up because that that is a significant scene in the movie. Doesn't he go on the date to the drive-in? Yep, and Christine gets, uh, he gets out of the car uh, she, to go get food and the Christine yes. locks the doors and starts trying to choke her. Yeah, that's right. The seatbelt, right? And he doesn't yep. believe her. Shit, yeah, that was a great scene at the drive-in. Um, scary stories to tell in the dark, which I talked about. Death Dream, nineteen seventy-four. Oh yeah, we did watch that movie. I I forgot there. There is a drive-in in that, right? Drive-in t- two thousand. Apparently, there's a a drive-in movie in two thousand that came out. Hmm. Um, New Year's Evil. Yeah, they call right? me evil. <laughs> um, what else is here? Screen. We already mentioned Ruby, nineteen seventy-seven. Hmm. um of course there's Greece. everyone knows about the famous scene that's not really a horror movie but that takes place where you know they're at the drive-in and he tries to get fresh with uh yeah. with sandy and she's like fuck you you piece of shit and takes off but yeah i i enjoy going to the drive-in quite a bit but i've honestly i don't believe i've ever gone to the drive-in to see a horror film ever yeah there's only been uh twice for me yeah what did you see uh, it was a weird combination, but uh, one was Suicide Squad with the uh, horror film uh, Lights Out. Good film. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. Uh, I was not in the right state of mind watching it because it was a couple days after, like uh, a couple days before the funeral for my brother. Oh, so yeah. So it was just something been, to kind of yeah. just distract me. But yeah, yeah, for sure. And then uh, the last one was during 2020 in the height of the pandemic. I went to the theater by myself, the drive-in theater by myself to watch uh unhinged and once again a weird pairing unhinged with bill and ted face the music i swear to god driving theories to have the weirdest fucking pairings in movies i they go out of their way to pair the weirdest shit and here's the thing i the drive-in theaters that, that i've gone to when i've gone to drive-ins i went as a kid and i went as a teenager and both times well obviously as a kid this didn't happen but when i went as a teenager in my early 20s i never went and got laid in a drive-in movie theater and i'm really oh. disappointed about that um, Hell, I've never even made out during a drive-in movie theater. Yeah, like that's why you fucking go, isn't it? Like honestly, um, like I've never, I never actually went with a date. It's always been with like my buddies. Yeah, I well, did I ever go on a date? I think I did, but I think they wanted to watch the movie. <sighs> that's no, no, that's not what you do. No, right? <laughs> but I remember when we were kids, we went to a drive-in movie theater up at this place called Wasega Beach, and I don't even remember what the movies were. Like you don't really watch the movie at the drive-in. 
it's just kind of playing in the background and you hang out and socialize, which is very different than a regular movie theater. Because you go to a regular movie theater, you go in, you sit down, everyone's hearing the same audio, everyone's hearing the same thing. But at a drive-in theater, you can be outside your car talking and hanging out and the movie can be playing, or you can be in your car actually listening to what's going on in the movie. Right. You have the choice to be social or actually engage with the film, which is what I think makes drive-ins so fucking unique. Um, like it's, it's more of a party atmosphere with the movie happening in the background. But anyway, so when we went to see whatever movies we saw, I don't even remember now, we ended up running through these farmer fields where there was corn being grown and we were playing hide and go seek. And of course, like, I don't know, this was the eighties and nineties and parents didn't care. So we were running through the cornfields and then we realized the farmer that was in these cornfields was coming in his tractors. I think he was pissed off that we were in the fucking cornfields. And I remember yelling like the farmer's coming and like turning around and like running to get out of the fucking cornfields. Like it was totally like, could have been a scene from scary stories to tell in the dark. And then as a teenager or young adult, I just remember going with my friends and like tailgating in my, in my friend's back of her truck and like eating snacks and like flirting with guys or cuddling my boyfriend with all my friends and like, you know, sneaking people in, in the trunk to get into the drive-through, like just drive through, drive in, shit like that. Like that's that I I I don't recall one movie I watched in the drive-in. Not one. I um, wasn't watching the movie. Yeah, I see uh the very first time ever going to the drive-in, I remember one of the movies. It was me, my brother, his mom, and his stepdad. And we were in a back of a station wagon watching it. And it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Nice. Uh that's all I remember from that. I don't remember what the other movie was. Um Hold on a second. My cat's about to destroy something, it looks like. Which cat? Biff. Go figure. Biff. Mr. Biff. Stop being a dick, Biff. Well, I have a mini TV up on this bookshelf, and he decided to jump behind the mini TV, and he's pushing the TV out as he's trying to squeeze behind it. Aw, that's him being a dick right there. He's like, dude, you're going to knock it over. Come here. (laughs) Get over here. Okay, so back to what I was saying. Um, But yeah, then... The that's the last time I remember being at the drive-in until probably my early 20s when I was still working at the restaurant. Me and a bunch of the cooks and a couple of the servers got together and said, hey, let's go to the Miracle Twin Drive-In for anybody that lives around my area. Miracle Twin Drive-In, they'll know, does not exist anymore. Got shut down years and years and years ago. Um, And this will tell you how long ago this was. It was to see uh, the original Pirates of the Caribbean with... Too fast, too furious. Oh, fuck yeah, you did. <laughs> and like you were saying, this was more of the party atmosphere time because uh, me and my buddies, we brought a couple six packs with us of beers. We had uh, about seven joints rolled up. We just pulled up in my car. It was my uh, my close buddy from school and then a couple of my coworkers. And we just freaking clam baked the hell out of my car. Yeah, you like, did. You could barely yeah, even see did. the movie. And then after we were done smoking, we got up and wandered over to our other buddy, buddies from work who were sitting in the back of a truck bed and just like sit over there drinking and chatting with them. And then a couple of my buddies were uh, making out with their girlfriends in the back of another truck bed. It's like, yep, this is totally like the party atmosphere that I expected from a drive-in like at that age. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Sounds like good times actually. And then, uh, then the next time I went was in 2020. So it's like, I don't go very often, but uh, you were saying how it's like drive-ins do tend to have weird pairings. I do have to say like, I still want to go like at some point, but they actually paired up Nope with Black Phone, which there you go. That that's makes a sense. Good yeah, that's a good pairing right there. So while we, you can do the same thing, Scott, but while you were talking, I decided to Google the drive-ins by me to see how fucking weird the pairings were as we end off oh, this yeah. uh, 
So I'll do mine and, and then you can do yours. So the first one is Mustang Drive-In in Guelph. They have one theater there. So they have paired Super Pets with Elvis. I guess the idea is that the kids come early to see Super Pets and then, because Elvis is actually a pretty dark story, though it is rated PG. So that's the first one. The second one is Five Drive-In, which is located, you know, not that far from me. They have a couple of screens. So on the first screen, they're going to have Bullet Train with Brad Pitt followed by Where the Crawdads Sing. Huh, that's one of the pairings on the one I'm looking at. Is it? Okay. Yeah. The second one for the second screen is League of Super Pets with Thor Love and Thunder. Okay, that one is, yeah, that makes a little more sense. Okay, you tell me if this one makes sense. Minions Rise of the Guru. Nope. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What? And I got one more. And then you can tell me about the ones near you. All right. This one, again, we have Super Pets. Wow. This theater has the exact same. They must be owned by the exact same company. All right. What do you got? All right. So the US 23 drive-in, which I believe is like the only one that's left in the Flint area. This one, actually, the pairings surprisingly makes sense but minions the rise of Gru and dc league of super pets together yep 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 then the one that you had brought up earlier bullet train with where the crawdads sing yeah and then nope and black phone so the pairings there are actually like good uh let's see if i can find any other drive-ins near me because i don't really know mike isn't this crazy how some of the things are so similar and other ones are just so fucking like off the off like to to the like completely off like again at this one one that's all the way out in cottage country which is about an app two hours away from me league of super pets and then elvis is playing afterwards that is so weird yeah like it's just it's no no horror really except for nope which is a pretty light horror film i wouldn't consider that a an intense horror film at all um, oh and wow okay sorry i'm just reading this uh Someone asked, how many drive-ins are left in Michigan? Of the approximately 130 drive-in theaters that once operated in Michigan, only eight remain in the state. Wow. Well, you know what? It is seasonal, especially for us up here. You can't operate in times where it's it's obviously winter. Right. So this is the best pairing I think I've seen yet. The League of Super Pets and Jurassic World. <laughs> like, I honestly am like, okay, that makes sense. I get this. But Wow. But yeah, we have we have a fair amount of drive-ins, but a lot of them are in northern Ontario. Okay. Um, and they tend to just be one theater. They're not more than that, like Prince Edward County, stuff like that. Um, if there's sometimes two screens. But yeah, anyway, um, I've always thought the purpose of going to a drive-in was to hang out with your friends and maybe one day I'll go and make out at a drive-in. Nice. Hey, never know. That'd be nice. You know, I like to stuff my face full of popcorn and shit. So maybe that's also really unappealing when like, I'm like, we want to make out and I'm like fucking bathing in popcorn and eating like a deer that hasn't ate in like 15 fucking years. And that's why you make out first and then cap it off with popcorn eating. Well, that's true. Cause then my tummy gets sore. Cause I ate too much candy. <laughs> right. And then I have a whole new issue, but yeah, drive-ins are fun. I haven't been a long time. I, I'm hoping that when my friend's kids get old enough, I can take them and they'll like it but it really is an acquired taste because the audio does kind of suck and you're sitting in your car it is meant to be a social thing like you have to be going to a movie that you don't really overly care about um right and in my opinion and yeah i was saying it's uh i was uh so hoping that uh you know drive-ins would become popular again because of covid because they were pretty much the only theaters that were able to survive and 
uh, actually like thrive during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah, All regular theaters were shut down. So that's way to do it was to do it by drive-in. And like they were even getting creative and like showing old films like in the drive-in, which was really awesome. They had Jurassic, the original Jurassic Park, the the drive-in. They had, uh, I think they had Scream at the drive-in and a few others like during the pandemic. Like, oh, and The Exorcist. Like there was all sorts of ones I missed that I wanted to go to, but like, yeah, like it just seems like a, seems like unfortunately after COVID that really hasn't changed. Like they're still there and doing well, but like not thriving like I was hoping. Well, you know, it, it is becoming a dodo bird of the past, I feel, but it is a great fun social experiment, especially in the summer. Um, it's just hard to find people that want to go because the audio does suck and most people don't want to sit in their cars and I have right. a hard time finding people that want to go to the drive-in. Yeah, as I was saying here, and uh, you know, I and I think for us it's going the way of the dodo bird just because we are seasonal. Like there is yeah. like, we only yeah. have a small window of time for the drive-ins where you know states that are pretty much like nice weather all year round have way better thriving drive-ins because of that. Yeah, totally right. Well, that concludes episode 63 of the Friday Nightmares podcast. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again for episode 64. I'm not sure which country we have left. Brazil? Oh, we have a few left. Uh, there's Brazil, there's Russian, there's Ukraine. Um, there was uh, <clears throat> Indonesian. Uh, we had our state and uh, po- province right. still. Like, that right. was what we're going to cap it off with. But uh, I got to look because I think I wrote down a list of the ones we still why we're, we're going to talk about because we could drag this out a little bit longer. <laughs> Scott's yeah. like, I would like to watch more international we're films gonna, so I sound smart. We're gonna play we're gonna play this out like the Italians do and just drag out a hour and a half show into two hours. Yeah, we do we've done that for years. So that's a good thing is that we right. continue to do that as like fucking chance. Um so thank you as always for listening. Uh if you have not already, please subscribe to the Legion Podcast Network. Uh, you can do so by going to the Facebook page or any podcast streaming service that you use and go to Legion Podcasts and subscribe and support us. Also, if you feel so inclined, you can become a member of Patreon where you do get extra episodes up. You get put in for draws for free codes. And with all of these bonuses, I got to ask you, Bella, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? That was amazing. Um, that was like the best, Scotty, honestly. So yes, please become a Patreon member today. It's only $3. Um, on side notes, both Scott and I are going to be introduced or introduced, interviewed on Horror for Dummies. Um, has Tim oh Tim hasn't set up a date with you yet he hasn't talked to me about it oh he interviewed me last week what motherfucker he's gonna I know I went off on how I was first the entire time (laughs) like he hasn't even brought it up to me well he's gonna interview you because he has a show right now about that dirty bitch hasn't even brought it up (laughs) Look, you're going to be number three, okay? Am I? Okay. So that's pretty impressive. Jerry Herring was number one. Yep, which that was a very fun interview to listen to. I was number two. I'd bring you up, by the way. Uh-oh. Yeah, good ways, mostly. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> mostly. And then number three. Well, he's going to talk about the creation of Friday Nightmares, so you can tell it from your end. All I right. told it from my version. We're basically, I'm the hero, and I'm the <laughs> one that does everything. 
<laughs> and you're just here for the good time. Hell yeah, um, I have a good time. I did talk about how you'll have more to say on how you got into podcasting because you had a much more longer history with podcasting than I did. Right. Right. So you'll be able to talk about that because that's what you'll do. So check out Horror for Dummies if everyone hasn't already. And please check out um, Rob Humphrey shows Slasher Radio. Um, He's a fun dude. You know, Rob is cool. Please, uh, please give him a shout. Um, Give him a listen. And it's what was always fun to uh, tell him how wrong he is about the Final Destination franchise. You know, Rob is very like kind of angry with life. I feel like <laughs> I didn't say his his movies quickly because I'm so like slasher radio in this horror life. Um, please check those out as well and continue to support our podcasting brothers and sisters in arms. And I guess until next time, do you have anything to say to the good people, Scotty? Until next time, kitties. Uh, listen to that hauntingly beautiful music while snorting huge lines of cocaine <laughs> and come up with the most creative and violent deaths you possibly can. Until next time, kitties. Unpleasant dreams. See ya.